start? Okay. Hi, everyone. It's me, Nick. <laughs> and you're listening to Elitist Anthropology. I hope you enjoyed our episode last week where we had Nico. Shout out to Nico. Um, we'll just get right into the pod today. Today we have, how can I describe this person? The love of my life. One of my greatest friends, the number one Indian man in New Jersey. The biggest baller that side of the Hudson, Varun Chopra. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Varun Chopra to the pod. Everyone in the room is clapping. Woo! What's Hi, up, Nick? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, pretty good, man. Yeah. Uh, quite a long commute coming here, but, you know, made it out here for you. How did you get here today? Uh, how didn't I get here? Uh, we took a car to the bus stop, the mm -hmm. bus to New York, the train down to, down to Brooklyn, and then an Uber here. So, you know, pretty much everything. Did you see anything crazy on the way here? Nah, it was pretty typical. Uh, the Uber driver I had, actually, mm -hmm. he was telling me about Buffalo. And, you know, we were talking about the snowstorms, you know, just chit-chatting and how we had one so far this year. But mm -hmm. he mentioned Buffalo and he kept talking about Buffalo. And I was like, what's going on with Buffalo? Yeah, <laughs> and he was just like, uh, like a bunch of people died in Buffalo from snowstorms. And oh I had God. no idea. I figured I was like, yeah, they get a lot of snow, a lot more than we do. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he had family there and he was telling me about like telling me people got trapped in cars you know, because oh I don't know, they ran out of gas or what, whatever. Yeah. They're going outside when they weren't supposed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shout out to Buffalo. <laughs> shout out to Buffalo. We praying for everybody in Buffalo. Jeez. Well, that was dark. Yeah. But um, tell us about yourself, Varun. So I'll tell them about you first. Me and Varun met in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. 2018. <laughs> met in 2018. Have been very close friends ever since. He was my orientation leader in college. Groomer. <laughs> Yeah, He's my kid. Yeah, uh, met on like the first day. Have been best buds ever since. You work in finance. Yes, sir. Worked. Do you still feel like you work in finance? Yeah, but it's way more relaxed now. So. It's like in house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell what should the audience know about you? Yeah, I mean, I think you covered a lot of bases, right? Uh, you know, born and raised in New Jersey. You know, came to uh, NYU. Didn't really know what I was doing. I actually. Uh, I don't even know if you know this, but I came to NYU actually to study math and I was in CAS. Mm -hmm. um, I transferred into Stern. So then I eventually, yeah. you know, was like, all right, business probably makes more sense. You can actually figure out a, a career path. And I didn't know what I was doing with math, but, mm -hmm. you know, I knew I was good at it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I did business, you know, did investment banking, the whole, you know, two year program thing. And now, mm -hmm. uh, like you mentioned, I work in-house in finance uh, at Acorns, which I think a lot of people have heard of, but, you know. Yeah, I, can, I could intro that later if you need me to. Yeah, well, I mean, you just gave us the LinkedIn, but like, what else? What else? Yeah. What else should people know about Varun Chopra? Uh, that's true. I've been interviewing a lot recently. So, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, other stuff about me. I mean, uh, super into kind of like just basketball, working out. Um, recently got into electric cars, which is really random, but. Uh, you know, that's another hobby I just recently kind of ta uh, started talking about. We love sustainability. Exactly, yeah. Um, a little bit into sneakers. Uh, mm -hmm. I've gotten a little less into it over the couple, last couple of years, but I was big into it in college, I think, as you know. Do you have a lot of thoughts about the Nike app? Uh, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's, there's, there's no, there's really no better app out there. There's, there's, it's not perfect, but it's not great. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, as I was saying, like, 
I haven't really been following sneakers in the last like year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly did it like sort of like a trading type thing where you know I was making money off of it. And you know, as you actually start a career and start working, you realize you know it, that like hundred bucks you would get flipping a shoe. It was nice in college, but the effort's not really worth the reward anymore. Mm-hmm. So now it's kind of like rare that I kind of buy a ton of shoes. Plus I have like 20 pairs at home. So now I'm like, all right, let me, let me relax. <laughs> no more shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's still something cool that I, I like to follow. And it's cool to, you know, at the airports recognize, Hey, you got those kicks. I have those, I have the same ones at home. So yeah. But yeah, that's uh that's a little about me. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. about it. And how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, in a good place. Uh, you know, I think after you leave the the banking world, like mm-hmm. you can, there's only up from there. So yeah, you know, over the past two years, just been sky high positivity. So <laughs> <laughs> when I knew you during that time, I was like, oh, like you and also Sylvia, I was like, these guys are like depressed, like bad. Like this is Dude, we were in the trenches. This is yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah, that, that sucked. That really <laughs> sucked. Uh, yeah, that was definitely like darkest, lowest point of mm-hmm. probably her life too, but definitely my life. Yeah. Do you feel, so before you went into banking, I remember we were talking about it and you were like, yeah. Um, so I was, I was asking you, I was like, oh, should I, should I get into it? And he, you were like, well, probably not. And every person that I've, you know, talked to before this has told me not to do it, but like, I have to get a bag either way, like when lose or draw. If you could turn back time, was that like still the right decision? I think a hundred percent, at least for me, right? Mm-hmm. I can never speak for someone else because it's it's not as simple as like oh yeah just get this job it's like there's a whole process to it right there's like yeah. you know you gotta you gotta be ready i think your second year of college mm-hmm. be you know interview or not interviewing but you know practicing interview questions you know learning up on the industry talking yeah. to people in the industry and getting to it pretty much when you're still figuring yourself out in college mm-hmm. and that, that was kind of the hard part right so i didn't even know what i was doing i barely knew what banking was but mm-hmm. i was like all right you know, it's a bag. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It opens up other opportunities later on. And which it has, which it has for sure. Yeah. Uh, which is probably the biggest reason why I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. Um, did the experience suck? Yeah. But mm-hmm. well, yeah, I don't regret it. Let's backtrack a little bit. So what is investment banking? Yeah, sure. Uh, on a baseline level, like a lot of people think investment banking is kind of like Wolf of Wall Street, kind of like, you know, trading, yeah. a lot of high energy, high testosterone, ton, bunch of males just kind of like screaming at each other type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a little bit of that, but it's not, there's nothing to do with trading at all. It's more so, uh, the very simplified version is just buying and selling companies. Like, mm-hmm. you're helping a company sell itself, you're helping a company buy itself. So, yeah, that's the very basic gist. And before it. you came to school, were you familiar? With investment banking? Yeah. Before I came to NYU, yeah, I had no idea what it was. I knew very little at all about anything in the higher education world or anything, you know, mm-hmm. after the higher education world. Yeah, you know, I was in a high school suburban bubble. So yeah, I was the same way. I was the same way. And so then, when did you like when you were in school? When and why did you decide that investment banking was going to be the route that you're going to pursue? Obstacles be damned. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the biggest reason was. As I was doing my research on, I mean, when you're at Stern, right, the two very 
clear paths are mm -hmm. consulting or banking and then there's a bunch of other stuff that uh, are popping up now like sort of in the tech world but mm -hmm. i think cern is still pretty geared to banking and consulting even to this day yeah that's true that's um us. yeah so you know i was thinking about the two different routes doing a little bit of research on both of those routes mm -hmm. uh consulting made less money uh which first of all that that was the first thing i was concerned with you know mm -hmm. I, I didn't have much money growing up at all and yeah. or in college at all so i was like i want the biggest bag I can get. Mm -hmm. Like I chose NYU over, you know, other schools because I wanted the biggest bag you could possibly get. Mm -hmm. So uh investment making checked that box. Uh the second box it checked was there's like 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 we talked mm -hmm. about, it opens up opportunities, right? So yeah. consulting does too, but banking does on another level. Mm -hmm. Like it's just sort of like a checkbox on a resume where, you know, people people look at that and they're like, oh you did that. Mm -hmm. Uh so, like, for example, I'm, I'm in the middle of interviewing right now for potentially another job, and it's for, like, a manager position in, uh, in the finance world, like, another in-house position. Mm -hmm. They didn't even bother, like, checking my Excel skills. Like, a lot of these interviews, like, they mm. make you do some sort of modeling test. They didn't even bother. They were like, oh, you did banking for two years? All right, cool. Mm -hmm. You're good on that. Like, let's just, let's just talk. Yeah. Um, so, I think that's another reason why I did that. And uh, frankly, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like, no one goes into banking like, yeah, that's what I want. This is what I want to do 20 years from now. Yeah. Uh, so it was another kind of like two year experience where after the four years of college, you're like, all right, I have another two years to really figure myself out, figure out what I want to do. It just buys me time yeah. while I'm making money and I'm getting good experience. So it was kind of mm -hmm. a no brainer in that regard. Yeah. Um, at least for me, because I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then the actual experience of it. So the investment banking world, I think, is really, really interesting just in the sense that it's like you sort of start to understand like sort of like how does the world, how do all the markets move? How does the mm -hmm. world sort of work? So how did working in banking affect the way that you just sort of viewed class? Yeah, it's a good question. So, uh, I mean, we could backtrack to, I guess, high school, then mm -hmm. college, because, I mean, my views on class just differed so greatly depending on how old I was, right? So mm -hmm. I was, you know, 16 years old, kind of just figuring myself out mm -hmm. in high school, not really having an understanding of class because, you know, it's a suburb of New Jersey. It's there's I don't think there was that much differential. I could be wrong. Like to this day, I could be wrong. I, I don't think there well, was much differential. I, think I felt the same way. I'm from a yeah. suburb of Dallas. And I think what it is, is that in the, in the suburbs, class is coded in a way to make everyone look and feel equal even if sure. they aren't yeah so it's like all the houses in your subdivision kind of look the same yeah and if there could be a person in one who's has a lot of money and one who's in another who doesn't yeah whereas like it's much easier to tell in like new york you know your apartment is this big versus your apartment is that big yeah absolutely so you know like i said thinking through high school didn't think too much of it mm -hmm. um i didn't think oh i'm rich or i'm poor i just average i guess yeah uh then when i went to when i actually the first day i stepped into my dorm in nyu as a freshman mm -hmm. it clicked <laughs> really because i mean the, what what's the reputation of nyu it's like the rich kid school right that's where yeah. celebrities send their kids you know yeah go have fun for four years I'll, mm -hmm. I'll buy my way in right no i was literally telling my i was telling my other friend that i was like we did NYU all wrong. The only people that we know are normal. We only know, I know. people like us. Like, we should know someone with a PJ by now. No, that's crazy. Because well, I, I was the same way, right? I think mm -hmm. most of my friends were pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, but l let me backtrack, right? The, f the first day I walked in, right? Mm -hmm. You know, nothing 
crazy. I meet my roommates. I meet my sweet mates. Mm-hmm. Um, but my roommate specifically, you know, quiet Mexican guy. Um, I didn't. He didn't really speak much to me over the summer because you know how you find out a yeah, couple months yeah. before. We spoke a couple times. Like he was like, "Yeah, I'll bring the microwave or whatever. I'll bring the fridge." <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's about it. And I tried having conversation a couple times, but mm-hmm. I don't know. He seemed just pretty quiet. And I was like, "That's fine. It's yeah. not a bad thing." Um, so I walk in. You know, he's already moved in, um, which is cool. And I open the closet. You know, he has like ten shirts hung up. I'm like, "Damn, I got two thirds of the closet for myself. That's great." Uh, and I'm looking at his shirts. I'm like. Pretty funky, pretty fancy, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I didn't think too much about wealth or anything, but, you know, about a couple days in, he, he goes to shower and I, he put his, like, watch on a desk and I see his watch. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a Rolex. <laughs> 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 I've never seen a Rolex in my life. Uh, yeah. So then I got to thinking, I was like, who who is this guy? Like, yeah. I search him up. I search his last name up. Um, you know, I know where, like, he's from you know, Cancun, actually, right? Mm-hmm. Which should have rung a bell. Um, or should have rung an alarm, right? But I look him up. I find his dad. I find his, like, a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. His, like, this guy is rich, rich. Like, yeah. has multiple houses. Has a penthouse in New York. You know, mansion in, you know, Connecticut, whatever. Like, this guy mm-hmm. is up there right yeah and i was like wow this is not new jersey <laughs> anymore <laughs> yeah so that was that was the first thing and then then i started meeting like normal people yeah but even the normal people i was like yo your parents have degrees <laughs> really <laughs> yeah like i i didn't think too much of it in high school but like mm-hmm. my parents don't have that so mm-hmm. i like probably from like 10 years old plus like i was the one filling out forms back home <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know whatever forms we need for school like yeah my parents signed it and i just filled it out so Mm -hmm. i was like whoa these people like their parents have money like your your dad's president of a software company like what (laughs) like what does that even mean uh so i definitely started learning more about the uh i guess class differential yeah uh at nyu pretty much since the beginning Mm -hmm. but like you mentioned i think we gravitate towards people in our class and and it makes sense you know how am i going to hang out on the weekends with someone who you know casually has a million dollars in their bank oh account my goodness because they want to go do something that costs three hundred dollars they want to do something crazy like yeah. my freshman year we had a like, you know you have like a group chat you know yeah. all the people whatever and they're like oh you guys like we should buy a table at lavo <laughs> yeah i didn't know what lavo was i only saw people, i don't know what a table was. <laughs> i only saw people buy tables on like love and hip-hop so yeah, I, was like, yeah. I was like okay yeah like let's buy let's buy a table i was like well how much could it be? I'm thinking like, hey, I still have like some graduation money saved up. Yeah. And like I'm about to get another job. Like I can, I can splurge this weekend. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, um, the promoter's telling me that it's going to be 15000 <laughs> But uh, we can split it, um, you know, five ways. And then it's only three. Yeah. And Nicholas has exited the chat. Like I was like, absolutely not. But it, it's, yeah, it's a totally different world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was out here trying to do free things. Like there's tons of free things to do in New York. So I wasn't too worried about that. But yeah. I can't. I can't be hanging out with the the rich rich of NYU. Yeah. So you, know? you do end up like sort of like self segregating. Yeah, and it's it's due to like due to class, mm-hmm. due to money. Yeah, and so then when you got to banking, how did did that shift it further? I think uh, a little bit. So mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, right in banking, it doesn't really matter, you know, where you're from, what your background is. Like mm-hmm. everyone's making a baseline amount of money, right? I mean, disclaimer for anyone who's not in the know, but like you're making six figures right out of college uh, in banking mm-hmm. at minimum. Um, so everyone's like, for your age, you're in the top 1% of like income, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, people are like, yeah, let's get a table or let's, 
uh, let's do this activity that's cost like 500 bucks. You know, it doesn't really matter, right? We're, you know, our bonuses are going to cover that and more. Right. Um, so, you know, you, you could totally fall into kind of, I don't want to call it a trap because it's not necessarily a trap, but you could totally fall into that mindset of like, oh yeah, I don't mind spending a thousand bucks here, 500 bucks here. Yeah. Um, because everyone else is doing it and I can afford it. So mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. But, you know, I did my best to avoid it because I, I still came from that mindset of like, I don't mm-hmm. really have money just because I'm making money right now. Mm-hmm. I still don't have much to my name. You know, I'm still mm-hmm. I'm still in the accumulation phase. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, and, that, and that's still me to this day, actually. Right. I'm still I was going to ask, like, do you still do you have do you I don't know if you would call that like class anxiety, but do you still have that sort of like economic anxiety around purchases and the things that you do of like I'm still on the come up? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I've had this goal of mine to like be a millionaire by 30 and I feel mm-hmm. like until I get to that goal, it's so arbitrary, but mm-hmm. until I get to that goal, I'm going to I'm going to have that mindset. Really? You know? I like I went to the movies last night with a buddy mm-hmm. of mine or two nights ago with a buddy of mine and you know, we were about to it was just me and him watching Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I still haven't seen Cocaine it, it, Bear. Was it good? No, it's not. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, well, was it good in the sense of like, oh, it, it's it was good. so much fun if to you, watch. If you know what you're good, if you what you're getting into, it, yeah, which I did, didn't really, but I did, I expected it to just be like a silly movie, like mm-hmm. you just sit there for two hours to. Was it good? Like Megan was good. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like it was something I would probably never watch again, but it's mm-hmm. something cor- sort of like, it's quirky, it's stupid, it's like. It's a bear that does cocaine and goes around killing people. Like mm-hmm. I, you're getting what you're expecting. Yeah. So, um, in that sense, it's good. But like, mm-hmm. it's not a good movie. I see. I see. Um, but where, where was I going with this? Right. So, like, you, we went. You, to, we went to buy tickets. Right. Yeah, we went yeah. to buy tickets, and it was like I don't know, thirty five dollars for two tickets mm-hmm. on the AMC website. And I was like, hold up. Like, I think my company does a little discount. <laughs> and yo, we paid twenty five dollars for the two tickets. <laughs> it took me an extra minute. It wasn't a big deal, but like, still, I still have that sort of like conscious thinking of like, oh well, I can get the same good for whatever, like twenty five percent off. So let me still let me let me do that. And I think yeah. that's a good mindset to have. Generally, mm-hmm. I mean, some people kind of go od with it with like coupon clipping or whatever i don't i don't do all that but yeah um i think if it's minimal effort and you know i could save a certain amount of money i'll, I'll almost always take that option mm-hmm. and why is like why is a million by 30 where did that come from why does that exist it's a good question i don't know exactly where it came from i think you know where, where it came from this kind of mm-hmm. blend this kind of goes into like my background of being indian kind of but yeah when you're whenever you're at like a party like family party whatever you know bunch of indians aunts and uncles you know whatever uh they come up to you when you're probably like 16 to 18 plus and just start mm-hmm. asking you like the m word like you know when are you getting married <laughs> like oh really yeah and they don't like they're obviously not like expecting you to get married at 18 but they're like yeah they're like oh you're you're kind of an adult now like it's yeah. it's time like you know i get you're getting you have to up go there to, you, yeah you're getting up there in age right uh you're going to college soon and you're going to graduate at 22, you know, after that you're set, right? There's nothing else to do, but get married mm-hmm. <laughs> at least in their eyes. Right. So yeah. in my eyes, I was like, let me flip the M word. Right. So, uh, I, I don't want to get married at like 40. Right. But like mm-hmm. 30 is a pretty normal age. Yeah. 22, 25 was pretty young to me. So I was just like, let me see if I can become a millionaire by 30 and then, then I'll consider marriage. Uh, and I thought that was a great way to kind of shut them up because <laughs> mm-hmm. that was my response to them. I was yeah. just like, you know, I'm not getting married till I'm a millionaire. And then yeah. in most people's heads, they're like, oh, he's never getting married. Like, 
it, it's gonna you know being a millionaire is like a big thing right like yeah you might not ever be a millionaire if you're like in suburban new jersey you're thinking mm-hmm. you're thinking from that perspective and then they give up and they're like all right whatever let's move on to the next kid mm-hmm. so that stopped them and it still stops them to this day uh and i did the math too it was it wasn't just kind of like a crazy number by 30 it was like um it was it's reasonable like mm-hmm. it'll take some cost cutting and, and making certain money here and there but mm-hmm. it's doable by 30 and yeah. but it's but it's still a goal it's not like i'm gonna cruise into it so mm-hmm. that's kind of why i chose that number and but that age mm-hmm. i think that's a, that brings me to something that i thought was so interesting so before i had moved to new york i really did not know any indian people like at all okay. i had one friend who was bangladeshi and that was like, close yeah, no, but I'm like, I'll tell people sometimes, like, my one Indian friend growing up was from Bangladesh. Yeah. Um, then I moved here and I found out that New Jersey is like Indian HQ in America. Yes, it's up there for sure. I had no idea that this was like this, like, this is this is the place. So can you just talk to me about like what what is that like growing up like in a diaspora, but like also being a, the being like in Indian America? Yeah, dude, it's it's weird, man. Honestly, <laughs> it's it's really weird. So. I mentioned this to you. I think I texted this to you like a few weeks ago. I started watching this show called Never Have I Ever by Mindy Kaling. Mm-hmm. And it really encapsulates like the Indian American, I guess, um, feeling growing mm-hmm. up. Um, so pretty much, you know, there's I'd say you you kind of group Indians into like a couple different subdivisions, I guess. Right. So there's like the Indians like that straight up are from India. Mm-hmm. Right. Th- that's one whole section of indians right Mm -hmm. then there's like the indian americans that are really in tune with their culture um so there's those are like you know they're they're american they they get things around here they're hip but they're still very like indian focused like Mm -hmm. you know they want their kids to like have the same values instilled into them like they care about you know praying or whatever indians be doing (laughs) like Mm -hmm. on a daily weekly basis and then there's like the indians that sort of are more on the american side that kind of like they don't really care as much like they'll respect the culture but they don't really care mm-hmm. too much like they're more they're more american than they are indian mm-hmm. and then although on the right side of the spectrum is like the fully whitewashed indians were like they don't they know nothing mm-hmm. and honestly i'm probably in between the the, the the last two things i said right so mm-hmm. um you know i respect the culture like i get you know that's what my parents believe in right mm-hmm. that's that's what they've been brought up in uh, and, and to an extent, I that was sort of my identity at, um, probably when I was younger. Uh-huh. Uh, but as I got older, especially when I got to college, I was just like, you know, this isn't me. Yeah. Uh, I not no offense or anything, but it's, I just don't believe in any of it. It's just not something that uh, is part of really my true identity. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've I've strayed again not not against the culture, but I've strayed uh, towards other other things. Just sort of yeah. being more of an American who happens to have indian descent yeah right so like when someone asked me where are you from i said new jersey right like and then you know obviously what they're yeah. getting at is where you're from from right and they yeah. always have to ask that follow-up and then i'm like oh yeah my parents are from india like i always emphasize that my parents are from india does that create like strain in your relationships like within your family or within your community yeah i'd say so actually uh not not within my community um but i'd say within my family for sure like mm-hmm. you know my mom has all these weird rules and my say well same with my dad they have these weird rules based on whatever cultural or you know whatever background it might come from i'm not mm-hmm. even sure um and i'm just like that doesn't make sense like uh mm-hmm. you know they had they had this weird rule when we were younger you can't you can't uh clip your nails at night 
And really? yeah, dude, I was just like, why? Like, uh-huh. I respect your rule and I won't do it, you know, but can you explain to me why? Like, mm-hmm. what is the, you know, spiritual spiritual reason? And they never had a reason for it. So I mm-hmm. think that also contributed to me being like, well, I don't really care for it. If, if you gave me like, even if it was made up, like some sort of like BS kind of thing where it has something to do with like some certain God or something, I, w- I would have believed it for longer. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, certain things like that, I just it just didn't click with me. Like mm-hmm. no eating meat on Tuesdays. Why? Uh, why can't I eat meat today? Yeah. They're like, you just can't. <laughs> so <laughs> We live in a society. Yeah, we live in a society. <laughs> in the, so... Yeah. Yeah, the, those those types of, th- types of things, I, I just didn't click with me. So in college, I never mm-hmm. followed any of that stuff. I come back home, right, after yeah. the pandemic. I'm living with my parents again. And, you know, Tuesdays, nobody in my house is eating meat. Not my brother, not my sister, mm-hmm. you know, no one. And I'm right there, you know, cooking up eggs, cooking up chicken. Yeah. My, my mom's freaking out. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, mom. Like, if you're not going to let me eat what I want to eat here, like, I will go outside and, like, get Chipotle or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... That's not gonna stop me. So, and and it's not me meaning to be disrespectful. I just mm-hmm. like, I just don't understand the reasoning behind this restriction. And so, what has that been like? Like coming to live with your parents again. So you were in college, then you lived in the city for a little while, and then pandemic after your lease ended, you go back home. Yeah. What has it been like living with your parents now as like an adult man? Oh yeah, it, it's 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 different, man. I mean, honestly, like. All my high school friends still live with their parents. Like mm-hmm. some of them haven't even you know, gone to co- like uh, you know lived uh, in a dorm setting or anything like that. Like so they commuted to college. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's not it's not crazy or anything. But there's there's certain things where you have to set boundaries. Like um, it's kind of like like work life balance at a job, right? Like you need to you need to be the one to speak up to set certain boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents, you know, they're like, oh yeah, this is this is sixteen year old Rune again, right? Like, you know, don't mm-hmm. come back home after like ten p.m. Like they'll start calling me, and I, I've told them like, text me, I'll respond to you. But if you call me like over and over again, like it's it's just not gonna work. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm not gonna be you know responding to you every five minutes. Uh, and also like you guys need to like just relax. I like every time I go to New York, they're they're worried. They're like, "Oh my god, what are you doing? Like, are you?" Aww. Yeah, because like I don't know. To them, New York's a whole big thing, and to me, it's just like my second home, pretty much. Right, I've been yeah. here for like five plus years, uh, so it's never a big deal for me to go to New York. It's just a typical thing. Whereas for them, it's like a it's an outing. Like, mm. like they haven't like my mom, my sister, and my dad were just discussing like we should go to New York. We haven't gone in so long. And mm-hmm. in my head, I'm just like, oh, I go like every weekend. It's just sort of like, oh, that's, that's where I see my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little different. It's uh, but it, but it's fun, man. It's, it's fun living with my family, honestly. Like mm-hmm. I don't mind it. We don't have like a bad relationship or anything. Yeah. Has your relationship like shifted from pandemic time to now that we're sort of like back in the normal? Cause I know like a lot of people, myself included, Whenever I went back home during the pandemic, because we were in that we were in a bubble, I was it was a much tighter family unit than it had ever been. Yeah. In the last like ten years. Yeah. Whereas like now, like me and my mom, we went from seeing each other every single day, basically nonstop for eleven months or whatever. My mom called me the other day and she was in Honduras and she was like, "Oh, I'm lost. Can you like <laughs> you're talking to this guy on the phone for me and like tell yeah. me where we are?" Um, and so now like you know we just don't see each other as often. We don't talk as much, and so. Yeah, it's just things have just changed. Yeah. But I think part of that is because like I left again. Like as soon as I realized I could I could get my life back, yeah. I was like, okay, like I'm out of here. Yeah, totally. I mean, if 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 I leave, you know, one thing I've wanted to do is live in LA for a year. 
if I leave, like, I know that's, that's going to happen too. Like, we're not going to talk every day. We're not going to see each other every day. Uh, I'm, and uh, no offense, I'm not going to be calling them every day. It's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, you get busy with life and you're doing things. And Mm -hmm. like, let's say I'm in LA, you're exploring a city where you're not as familiar with. So you're going to be just constantly doing things. And, you know, the last thing on your mind is like, oh, let me just make sure to call my parents every single day. Like, I'll talk to you, you know, probably a couple of times a week, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's, I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. Wow. Very fascinating. Yeah. I want to talk about cars. Let's talk about cars. I no pro, but let's do it. I, I don't know. Like (laughs) he says no pro. Like I'm so obviously people in New York don't drive. So when I was in school, didn't really know anybody that had maybe I knew one person that had actually, I had one friend whose boyfriend had a car. Okay. And every once in a while we would like end up there. Yeah. My entire time knowing you, you didn't have a car mm-hmm. until until after back. college. Yeah, yeah. Now you're like the biggest EV <laughs> head ever. Yeah. Can you tell the audience about electric vehicles? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's some misconceptions around electric vehicles. Uh, some of them are somewhat true. Some of them aren't. So, uh, people who are there's a lot of people that are like really really into cars, right? Like that's like yeah. their hobby, right? Yeah. And all of them will have like these, you know, muscle cars, sports cars, whatever you want to call them, you know, big engines, loud, those types of cars, right? Where yeah. you, know, you drive past and like you get everyone's attention type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people, man, they're going to stick to those gas cars for as long as possible. But for the ma- like for everyone else, like mm-hmm. I think if you can afford it, it makes a lot of sense to go electric uh, lo- short term and long term. There's a lot of credits involved with just making a car more affordable. Like electric cars, no doubt, are more expensive than most gas cars. Yeah. Um, there, there's cheap options out there, but for the major- for the most part, mm-hmm. electric cars are pretty expensive. But there's credits, man. Like the, the government's doing like 7,500 off. Uh, it's like a tax credit. So that's, you know, if your car is, 50, let's call it 50K, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, look, we actually just bought a Tesla for my dad. Uh, I think originally the Teslas were like 45K or something like that, like the, the Model 3. Yeah. Uh, it's they just recently reduced their price. Let's call it to I don't know forty two something, right? Yeah. There's the seventy five hundred dollar tax credit. Then there's another credit, at least in New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, where you get four thousand dollars off the purchase of an electric car. Mm-hmm. So that's like almost twelve thousand off a car. Plus, there's no sales tax in New Jersey mm-hmm. when you buy electric, right? When you when yeah. you buy a thirty thousand dollar gas car, like anywhere. Yeah, you're paying like three thousand bucks just in taxes, right? Straight to the government, but you you don't pay that when you when you buy electric um, in New Jersey. So, uh, I think New Jersey's probably one of the top states to buy an electric car. I mm-hmm. can't speak for New York. I haven't done the research in New York. Yeah. Um, but I know New Jersey and California are up there. It just makes a lot of sense. You're driving a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you're never gonna pay gas anymore. You most people think. Um, you got to charge at these electric stations. Yeah, how like do you charge gas. it? Do you charge it at home? Is there in my mind? I imagine that there's just like a big, like clown-sized plug in the wall. Yeah, and you're like, oh, got to plug in my car. And you you're plug it you're not wrong, honestly. It's uh, so a lot of people think, right? You you got like a gas station, like that's where you 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 know uh, get your fuel for a gas car. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people think actually you go to these electric stations and you you fuel your electric car, and that's not wrong. You do that in a pinch, but that should never ever ever your like main source of fuel that's only if you're in a pinch you're about to run out of fuel or you're on a road trip Mm -hmm. i think that's it like i've i don't 
really go to the electric stations. Mm-hmm. For the most part, you're charging at home, and you literally could charge in like the normal outlet you charge your iPhone in, like really? the 110 outlet. But you're gonna get really slow speeds. Mm-hmm. So what most people should do is you you level up, right? That's that's called like a level one charger. Mm-hmm. Most people need the level two, which is what we did. We installed a 240 volt charger, which is it's not the clown plug charger <laughs> or anything like that, but it's a bigger, <laughs> more powerful charger. Okay. Um, it's it's it looks pretty similar to the 110 volt, honestly, just a little bigger. Yeah. Uh, and you plug in your car there, and it, it charges from pretty much zero to 100, like in eight hours, like overnight, right? Yeah. So you know, you drive for a week, overnight one night, like let's call it a Sunday night. So the charge lasts all week. I mean, it depends how much you're driving, right? Yeah, but like it's just like for a normal. I'm I'm running. I'm going to the work. I'm going to the gym. I'm you know just yeah. doing normal stuff. For for me, where I don't drive much because I work from home, mm-hmm. I could have a charge last like a month. If oh, I wow. it, like depends on where I'm driving, right? But if I'm only going to the gym or supermarket, yeah, because mm-hmm. you know the range in like a typical EV is like 250 miles. Mm-hmm. So getting a lot of range, but in general, like if you're commuting to work. Yeah. Uh, let's call it 10, 20 miles. Like, yeah, it'll, it'll probably last you a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just charge it up one night. You wake up and bam, it's like back at 100. And you could do that every night if you yeah. want to, like you charge your iPhone. But um, that's another thing that people don't think about. Like the the five, 10 minutes you're spending at the gas station every week, like it's not much, but it adds up and you're mm-hmm. never doing that anymore. Ever again. You're just plugging your, your car in just like you're plugging and your so iPhone. And so what in. was your, like, what converted you into an EV head? Um, two things. I mean, one, obviously the sustainability aspect. I think that's awesome. We love sustainability on the pod. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's one minor issue with it, with the sustainability. People call out that, uh, it takes a lot of resources to mine the battery. <sighs> yes, it does. Yes, it, it does, does. Right. It does. Yeah. Uh, but long term, it, it, it kind of pays for itself versus just fo- constantly using fossil fuels. So mm-hmm. you can't compare like year zero of an electric vehicle to, you know, year zero of a gas car. You have to think about the life of the car. Yeah. The life of a car, it obviously is much more sustainable than mm-hmm. a gas car. So that's one thing. The second thing is, uh, like I mentioned, the mm-hmm. the sort of uh, price to value ratio, like net net price right now for a test, like the Model 3, like what we got my dad's for is like 30 to 35K, which mm-hmm. is crazy because people were paying 50 to 60K for the same car not even a year ago. Yeah. So, like, it just makes so much sense. So, mm-hmm. I I don't think it's for everyone. Like, yeah. if you're not if you're working from home and barely driving, maybe it still makes sense to have a gas car. Yeah. Because you're not using much fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, electric cars really pay for themselves if you're someone that's driving that's a lot, it. commuting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's probably the yeah. perfect time to have one. And so. Well, two things. The first thing is, like, I feel like a lot of people don't know that. And I, I only learned this because I took, like, a, a class in school on, on energy and how it all works. Is that, like, there was a time in the 20th century. There are some people that are still alive that can remember this where gas cars and electric cars were, like, one-to-one on the road. Mm-hmm. Electric cars were very common. Or Somewhere in, like, the mid-20th century, oil companies realized that, like, gas is going to be the main use of petroleum in America. And they start being, like, basically, fuck that shit. At yeah. any turn that we can fight the electric car companies and make gas the primary use, that's what we're going to do. And so, like, imagine Chevron, BP, we all know all the bad stuff that they do everywhere in the world mm. today yep. to keep gas in the game. Imagine what they would have done at the beginning when it was it was the turning point of deciding whether their product was going to be um, 100% essential and necessary to the function of modern life yeah. 
or not. Uh, and there's a really good documentary, I forget the name of it, where basically in the early 2000s even, California was going to implement this regulation to make it so that every car dealership had to sell a certain amount of electric cars. Okay. So the, a certain percent of your revenue had to come from the sale of electric cars, which obviously is going to push gas cars off the lot. Yeah. The oil company in California said, absolutely not. They fought it from the bottom all the way to the top. And there's an, like a really iconic clip of there's a regulatory board that um, was going to decide this in California. California's government is run a lot off of these like regulatory councils. Okay. And um, they get to the thing. Clearly, the board had already made their decision. But there's like all these environmentalists and activists that are there saying like, you know, we need electric cars on the road. Like we need to do this. Like we need to make this happen. They go. They did like eight hours worth of testimony. A guy who worked for one of these like dummy organizations for the oil companies comes up and it's like, you know, these people today, they said a lot, but they're all wrong. And the guy on the board is like, yeah, for real. And the whole thing just dies. And even at um, GM for a while, they had an electric car division in the early 2000s. They did this whole pilot. They ended up selling like 5,000. People were driving them. People were loving them because I think EVs just as a product have like a cult. Mm -hmm. They have a cult yeah, around them. For sure. Um, but even the people within the organization, the people that worked inside of the gas car parts of the organization were like, we're not going to be cannibalized. It was a total like Kodak film camera situation. Um, they, they bodied the EV industry, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they like pushed out that department and got yeah. it shut down. So it's I think it's it's interesting now that there is a sort of like um, a, a culture war around yeah. it of like. You know, I want to I want to drive a real car. Like, yeah, you know, I want to really be out here. Well, that's and, still know. a thing, dude, for sure. Yeah, but it's like there was a time before when there this was this has always been a part of like how how people drive. This has always been an option. It's not really even new technology that exists to a certain yeah. extent. But I think it's more viable now, right? The the electric cars that were built way back then. I mean, I don't like they're they, you couldn't charge the battery fast. So like mm -hmm. current like. The modern day, like really nice, like fifty thousand dollar, roughly SUVs, right? Yeah, uh, electric cars, you can charge from like twenty to eighty percent in like fifteen to twenty minutes. Like yeah. that's like mimicking, or it's getting close to like what how much time you'd spend at a gas station. Yeah, um, and that's that's what I that's what you need for like mainstream adoption. You need fast mm -hmm. charging, and you need charging available like anywhere, like a gas station, right? You're yeah. not worried when you're on a road trip and you're driving a gas car and like you know. You're like, oh, I'm almost at E. Like, I'll probably find a gas station within 10 minutes. Yeah. Whereas electric cars, you got to plan it. Like, I've done mm. a road trip to D.C. and back yeah. in an electric car. I had to plan out my route way more than, like, like you don't plan out where you're going to stop when you're driving a gas car. You just right. stop when you feel like stopping or when you need gas. Yeah. For electric car, you need to plan it. So yeah. uh, that part still kind of needs work to mm -hmm. really get to the mainstream level, and that's going to take years. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're getting there. It's, it's It'll happen. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, frankly, there's regulations, I think, by 2035, like the federal government uh, announced by 2035, there's no there should be no more sales of gas cars. Like it's, they're going to mm -hmm. be banned. Right. So um, it's just going to lead to even more increased uh, EV adoption. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you pay when you charge your car at a gas station? It's a good question. Right. Um depends where you are but i'll speak mm -hmm. to you know probably the tri-state area generally yeah it used to be crazy right you, you heard the gas prices in the news all the time now they've died they've died down right they're back to normal mm -hmm. um it's like three bucks to 350 a gallon roughly right so mm -hmm. uh you might pay like 40 bucks or so mm -hmm. to fill up like a car or an suv so yeah. and then how much do you pay if you're like if you're charging um so that's sort of like 
really variable. Like if you're, if you're charging at a EV station, mm-hmm. um, you might be paying like thirty bucks or so. Yeah. So it's not much savings at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was when gas prices were really high, but yeah. the real savings are when you're charging at home, which mm-hmm. you're, should be like ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, you're you're it's it's your electricity bill, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't really checked hours since we we got the EVs, but I don't think it's it, it's probably marginally increased. And now you have two or three. Uh, we have two. Mm-hmm. So we bought a, a Tesla Model Three and we bought a Chevy Bolt. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. And so then, like, when it comes to brands, I feel like people, when they think of electric cars, they think of Tesla. Yeah. That's, like, the sort of... It's Apple. It's the Apple. It's, like, the gold standard, or at least the one that's, like, the most known. Yeah. But, like, what are the other players in the market that it's, like, these people are also making really good cars? So, I mean, I've driven a a few. I've owned a few. Um, I'd say there's a couple contenders, like... Mm -hmm. I'd say honestly, Tesla is it, it. It's Apple for a reason, right? It's just mm-hmm. that damn good. Like their software is really nice. The feel is really nice. It feels premium, mm-hmm. uh, and it's affordable. Um, but I think other players that should still get some love um, are probably like you know price aside because Tesla just recently crushed the competition with prices because they they can <laughs> they yeah. they ha- they have way higher margins. They just than, have volume. Yeah, no, they, they their margins are so much higher than all the other manufacturers because they've been in the game for longer, right? Yeah. Uh, so they've they've maximized kind of how they can make profits. So they cut their prices so low now mm-hmm. to where it doesn't make sense to like financially to buy almost any other EV besides a Tesla. Um, unless like you just hate Elon or you hate Tesla mm-hmm. or you just don't like the look or you want it to be different. Like, yeah. but financially speaking, it makes no sense to get anything besides a Tesla, but other really good cars in the game are Ford. Ford's been killing it, right? If you're an SUV person, like they have the Mach E. So that's, that's their take on the Mustang, but sort of SUV version and mm-hmm. electric version. Uh, I've driven that. It's a beautiful car on the outside. It's really fun to drive. Their software is pretty good mm-hmm. again nothing compares to tesla but it's pretty good yeah uh kia has been really good too so kia is a surprise player because i feel like it's been a pretty bad it's had a bad reputation as a gas car brand you um, think so i think so yeah i mean when you when you think of branding and sort of the images behind cars mm-hmm. uh you have to put aside your you know feelings on the gas cars versus the electric cars because they're different man toyota is known to be reliable you know it'll take you two hundred thousand miles yeah they're a no-name in the electric world really nobody knows tesla uh, toyota nobody talks about toyota toyota frankly does not really even make many electric i think they make one car and it had like a ton of defects Mm -hmm. uh same with honda Mm -hmm. uh it's like the two reliable gas cars are just not a thing in the ev world so kia i think is not a great gas car brand uh, recently they've they've come up again but historically uh but electric car wise they make a really good technology they make really nice cars um and the price is not terrible like i owned a kia ev6 mm-hmm. um beautiful suv comparable to the the mustang mach e i frankly liked it better than the mach e uh, it had a better range it was just more fun to drive personally but i'd say those two are really good competitors to tesla mm-hmm. um and i think that you know, as they figure out ways to make their car either more affordable or they just make more money on their car, um, mm-hmm. I think those will be more mainstream. Uh, they don't make any money actually off them. So really, uh, f- at least Ford. Ford uh, Are announced they selling them at cost. No, they're selling them actually above cost or sorry below cost. So like they're actually really? losing money on these cars. 
Is it just they just want to tr- break into the markets? Just I, like I mean, I don't know the the deep, you know, kind of what what's going on under the hood, pretty much. But um, they that's what they announced. Like they don't mm-hmm. make they actually lose money on each car. So <laughs> Ford actually raised prices for their Mach E a mm-hmm. couple months ago uh, mm-hmm. because they were like, hey, we don't make money on these, so we need to raise the prices by like five thousand. Yeah. Uh, and people were like, okay, makes sense. And then Tesla's like, all right, here's my trap card. <laughs> like I'm a uh, cut costs cut by cost, like two thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now if you're a consumer, you're like, well, why would I pay 5000 more for this when I could pay like even way less for the Tesla? Yeah. So it just makes no sense to get the Mach-E anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually read a report recently about uh, the EV6. Mm-hmm. When it f- was first announced last year, it was pretty hot. Like, you know, if you wanted it, like yeah. impossible to get. They were selling like hotcakes off the lot. Mm-hmm. And since the tax credit is no longer eligible for the EV6, their demand fell off a cliff. Oh, right? really? So now nobody's buying EV6s. They're selling like a thousand a month in the entire United States. Oh, wow. So nobody's buying them because yeah. everyone everyone's going to Tesla now. Really? 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 So then how does having an electric car play into maintenance? That's a good question. Uh, that's actually a, a one thing a lot of people are concerned about. Uh, yeah. A lot of people, like car enthusiasts, enthusiasts specifically, like my mm-hmm. father, who's a mechanic, you know, he's always been like, I, I only want a car where I can fix everything. Like, because, yeah. you know, he actually can. I think about that a lot. I mean, not so much with electric vehicles, but I really do not like non-tactile cars. Mm-hmm. I think that is so dangerous. I think it is such a bad idea. And I have a friend who has a Volvo. Okay. She's got a brand new she had, or well, she got it last year. It was a brand new Volvo 2022, whatever. Yeah. And the screen was j- like, they would be driving and just black out. That's and crazy. so yeah. she would like, she took it to the, she took it to the shop or yeah. to the dealership. They're like, it was at least okay. They're going to fix it. They give it back, blacked out again, back at the dealership for two months. And like, it was her first car. And so when I was in high school, I drove a junker, like a total piece of shit. It was yeah. a 2000 Ford Taurus wasn't a total piece of shit. I was, I was very lucky to have a car when I was in high school. <laughs> My mom will get mad if I say that. <laughs> um, I was very lucky to have a car that I could drive to take me to all the places I need to go. Yeah. But it was a 50-50 chance every time I turned the ignition was going to yeah. turn on. So I would get into accidents, whatever. But at some point, the insurance company was like, we will not give you any more money to fix this car because it's 15 years old. Yeah. So I just started going to the junkyard and like getting pieces for the car and i would just pay my mechanic to like install it and like fix it and stuff but i'm like i can only do that because these are real parts right like i can just go and just find one i can find a camry from 2007 and put that light on it i can find this engine piece here and i can put that on it um but when you're dealing with a car that's like a, a computer um not only do you have the problems of it just like not working but it's like also like the fix is not just uh yeah, fix. and when it comes to maintenance, right, there's, like, with gas cars, there's there's oil oil changes and you know, small things like that mm-hmm. uh, where you constantly have to maintain the car for long-term performance. Mm-hmm. There's really no such thing for electric cars. There's no engine, right? It's just mm-hmm. a battery. Uh, so there's nothing, like, small like that you have to worry about mm-hmm. besides tires. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, you can't do what you said, right? You can't go to a junkyard and get a computer part to fix it unless you really, really know what you're doing, which most people don't. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, most mechanics, like, um, probably are not aware or don't care enough to learn about the the electric vehicle world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to go to Tesla or to Ford or yeah. whatever, wherever you bought the car and get it fixed, which costs way more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's definitely something c- to consider, like, 
you're, you're going to be paying a yeah. lot. Well, long term, you're not going to pay as much in maintenance because there's less to maintain. Yeah. Uh, but when you do, you know, maintain whatever you got to like fix, right? Like mm-hmm. if there's a computer part that blows out. That's going to cost more in the short term, right? Yeah. Um, like instead of like a hundred dollars here, here and there that you have to pay for your gas car, mm-hmm. it might be like a five hundred dollar all all, yeah. all of a sudden purchase that comes out of nowhere. But long term, it should mm-hmm. still be less. It's because like the the sort of like production the production route of that of those types of cars is so different. Yeah. And I think like maybe that's I mean there's something to be said for the VCification of everything and of every industry Mm -hmm. but i think you really feel it in the car industry because it's like you can't just go buy this part it doesn't exist yet the parts are made in conjunction of the car we're trying to keep the cost down we're trying to manage the input you know exactly uh what's it called like we're using like the agile method agile software methodology yeah in the creation of these cars that's right and so that makes it so that when you go to the tesla thing to fix i guess it's not a carburetor but you know to fix x y and z it's like no like we have to make this part now. Yeah, we actually had an issue with ours. Like, we just bought mm-hmm. it, and we had an issue. It just it just bricked. Like, oh. my, my dad called me up, and he was coming home from work. Or he was trying to come home from work. He was like, hey, uh, my car's not turning on. Like, I can't access it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, dad, you're being silly. Turn on Bluetooth on your phone, and, you know, you'll... Because <laughs> your phone opens the car, right? Yeah, and just open like, the app. Just open the app. Uh, but then I was just like, all right, clearly it's not working after talking to him. So mm-hmm. me and my brother, we drive to his work. We're, we're, we're trying it ourselves, and we're like, oh, it's not working. Mm-hmm. We call up Tesla support, and they're like, yeah, we can't even find your Tesla on the map. Like, we don't, like, it's, it's like, offline. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what the hell's going on? Uh, we find out, you know, we, it, it gets towed to the shop or to the Tesla, Tesla location. They fix it after a few days. We find out the entire, not the entire, but uh, the, vol- the, the, the battery, like mm-hmm. the small battery died. So not the main battery that's like effectively the engine that, that mm-hmm. you know, but it's like the battery that every car has, like the gas cars have. Yeah. That it just like was, you know, dysfunctional or something like that. So mm-hmm. they, they had to go and fix it. But that's a problem we couldn't diagnose because, you know, yeah. my, my dad's a mechanic, but not for electric cars. Yeah. That's so like to me like that's that's the scary part of like yeah. of having such a high tech car. I'm like, no, I want a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, no, there that that's a definitely a, a thing to think about. Like, and it's, it's like you can't tech. even can you push a Tesla? Like, can you put it in neutral and push it? Yeah, I, I think so. Why wouldn't you be able to? Like in that situation. Well, I wasn't there, um, but it got towed, so mm-hmm. I, some someone had to move it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, very cool. Okay, now so, Varun, I've. We have, uh, Varun and I have this other friend. Her name is Sylvia. We have a Venn diagram <laughs> that I keep updated. In the center of our Venn diagram is cheapskates. Okay. Um, but I don't want to talk about being a cheapskate, but I do want to talk about financial planning. Yeah. Because I feel like for people that are our age, there's no real um, ethos or methodology that, that people really adopt. It's more of like an, old, an older man's game. So like, just like, how are you approaching planning for your financial future and like what 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 matters to you what doesn't matter to you and what are you thinking of the market as we go into go into our in a recession yeah reasonable minds disagree on that yeah for sure uh yeah there's a there's a lot to like unpack on that question i guess uh probably probably the first thing i'd say is like just personal finance wise i mean Mm -hmm. it's called personal finance for a reason so everyone has their own thinking or method or you know strategy that works for them personally Uh, and i'm no different right i I might do things that you might disagree with or we might agree on things but at the end of the day it's 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 your money it's your finances so you have to always kind of like think for yourself like there's so many minds and ideas out there that 
echo a bunch of the same, same things, but sometimes it just doesn't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that aside, disclaimer aside, uh, I think the first thing to think of when you think of like the markets right now is, uh, you know, inflation, right? Everyone's been talking about inflation. What what actually is inflation, right? Mm-hmm. If, if anyone doesn't know, it's it's just sort of like the price of goods, like just just the general cost of goods, like mm-hmm. to live your day to day life. Uh, and everyone here is like, oh, it's been going up by six percent, seven percent, eight percent. It's expected to go back down to like normal levels of like two percent or so, two to three percent by you know middle to end of the year, which is a good thing. Like that's what you want, and yeah. hopefully the government kind of ends up getting there. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a whole discussion aside. Um, but anyway, everyone's been talking about this big, you know, six to seven percent number. Yeah. Um, and if you're not like if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year. And, you know, inflation's at 7%. And let's say you get a 3% salary bump. You actually lost money year over year, right? Yeah, real wages went down. Real wages went down, exactly. So the the whole point of why I bring inflation into this is, uh, like, your money needs to be working for you to beat inflation. Mm-hmm. Or at least hedge inflation, right? Mm-hmm. If your Explain what hedge means. Yeah, uh, let me get to that. So okay. um, if your money's sitting there, like in your wallet and your under your mattress or in your bank account right mm-hmm. it's you're not making money off your money right it's just right. sitting there mm-hmm. you know if you have twenty thousand dollars in your bank account it's twenty thousand dollars today it's twenty thousand dollars a year from now mm-hmm. uh whereas everything just went up six percent in price mm-hmm. so your twenty thousand dollars next year buys less than it does this year now it's eighteen thousand sure yeah it's like eighteen thousand or something right mm-hmm. so th- the whole point of investing is accumulating wealth growing your money to make sure that you're beating that, like to where your twenty thousand dollars is actually twenty two thousand the next year, as opposed to eighteen, mm-hmm. right? So you want to make sure you're beating inflation at the very, very least, mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of like I'd say the main, co- the core of kind of like the financial, you know, services industry. Like that's mm-hmm. uh, the end goal to to beat inflation and to accumulate wealth. So. It's been a real tough game beating six to seven percent because yeah. historically that's that's what the market returns and that's what pre, you know people put their money they put their money in the market to get the six or seven percent mm-hmm. but now since co- prices are going up seven percent and mm-hmm. you can only expect seven percent in you know returns every year you're you're netting out to nothing your twenty thousand dollars today is twenty thousand dollars next year too mm-hmm. um, the real people the real I want I don't want to say losers but the real people that kind of get screwed over are the people that aren't keeping up with that and yeah. aren't investing and that's why inflation is so dangerous right mm-hmm. uh, hu- super high inflation obviously super bad because prices go up su- uh, go up a lot yeah really really low or even negative inflation is also really bad right because then people are expecting prices to get lower and then no one start no one spends because yeah. you're, you're just going to save your money because whatever whatever you're going to buy today it's going to be worth less a year from now mm-hmm. so why not save my money and wait and then businesses kind of like have to cut jobs they have to cut costs because they're not making any money mm-hmm. um so that's another thing to think about but anyway uh the whole kind of thing i'm trying to get at is uh the market's kind of crazy right now yeah uh inflation's rampant but hopefully slowing down and to beat inflation like you have to be investing in the market i think one really interesting thing is since the market's been so choppy and kind of like all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, I think the past year it's been down like 5% actually. So yeah. kind of getting double whammied right there, mm-hmm. inflation going up and your, your money's going down in the market. Uh, some people are kind of trying to flock to, I guess, 
less risky assets. Yeah. So there's been, there's like, you know, the fixed income market, which mm-hmm. is like bonds and CDs, mm-hmm. uh, certificates of deposits. And they're, they're actually offering crazy rates right now. Like you're getting yeah. five to 7% returns in essentially riskless assets, right? So like if someone's offering you five or 6%, um, for your money, you know, for like, like if you invest your money for a year, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you take that when historically you've always been thinking, oh yeah, I need that 7% return every year. Yeah. You're getting slightly less than that, but for no risk versus investing in the stock market, which is inherently risky. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that people should consider. Like, I think the fixed income markets kind of where a lot of people want to keep their money and that's where the the hedging comes in that's where mm-hmm. you're hedging inflation right mm-hmm. inflation's at that 5 6 7% number and that's what you're getting here in the fixed income market you're mm-hmm. not going to you're not going to make money but your your 20,000 yeah. will still be worth 20,000 which is at the baseline of what you need to do mm-hmm. so that's that's just some rough things i want to get off but if you wanted to <laughs> if you wanted to talk specifics i'm happy to well i we can be as specific as you want but basically just like okay your your Varun, you get paid on the fifteenth and the thirtieth. Yeah. When you get that check on the thirtieth, what what do you do with it? Okay, yeah, I could I could break that down, right? Obviously, some goes to taxes. Um, I'd say I don't know what the percentage is, but mm-hmm. a good percentage of it goes to the four hundred one k where I'm maxing that out. Yeah. Um. So what is I think four hundred one k max is like twenty two thousand or something like that this yeah. year. So. Whatever that is divided by, you know, 24 paychecks that that goes into the the 401k. Uh, Then there's pretty much the rest of it. Right. The rest Mm -hmm. of it goes into my bank account. Yeah. And that kind of gets dispersed, too. Right. So uh, I'd I'd either keep it there for like just temporary liquidity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I might invest it in something like a CD that I mentioned or or a bond or something like that just for now in the Mm -hmm. short term. Uh, Some of it goes into like my IRA, which is like you know, another retirement account sort of Mm -hmm. like supplementing a 401k. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think about retirement a lot? I wouldn't say a lot, but I definitely think about sort of like the the kind of early retirement life. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to be someone working until they're 60 or 65. Like I want to retire early. Like I want to, like I I still want to be able to run a marathon when I'm retired, you know, like I want to be able to still live a life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't, I don't want to be working forever. Uh, and that's another kind of thing where I'm like, if I start now, if I start really early and, you know, get a ton of money accumulated, invested and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, that'll lead me to to early retirement. And I actually have a whole spreadsheet where I have like my net worth and I update that every few months or so. Yeah. Uh, and I project out kind of like, oh, well, you know, depending on certain assumptions, uh, you know, if I have this much money, this much money invested mm-hmm. uh, and I'm investing more and more every single month, mm-hmm. how long will it take me to reach retirement do you have a magic number i don't i mean in the spreadsheet it's like one and a half million which is not the number like that's yeah that's that's, not that's not never working that's that's the single income no kids (laughs) like retirement number right Mm -hmm. which is not like i'll I'll probably have kids i'll you know all that stuff and that definitely skews things Mm -hmm. uh so i mean i'm assuming the real number these days like at least three million probably for for someone at least like you know middle class plus Mm -hmm. Uh, i think that's what you need to like retire and live a comfortable life after retirement Mm -hmm. um so i don't know what the number is uh specifically but Mm -hmm. uh, i've sort of mentioned like that one million by 30 is kind of the main you know tunnel vision goal that i'm focused on right now yeah and so do you imagine that your early retirement is that like 
never work again money is that like where i'm 46 and this is the last job i will ever have yeah definitely i mm-hmm. i want to be able to like just check out mm-hmm. you know take disbursements from my investments every single year where you know hopefully it's like 50 to 100k or whatever i want or need to live a normal life mm-hmm. uh and just kind of enjoy it, you know yeah. uh whether that means traveling or whether that means just relaxing uh, you know, maybe I'll do like freelancing or something like that on the mm-hmm. side or or maybe, you know, you get bored and like you do want to work yeah. again. Who knows? Like I can't project out. I don't even know what I'm do- eating for dinner tonight. Like how am I yeah. supposed to know what I'm doing at 46? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I want to have the optionality mm-hmm. to where, hey, if I want to retire, like I don't have I don't need to do this job. Yeah. It's like you see everybody hates Chris. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I do not need this. <laughs> My man has two My jobs. Man has two jobs. <laughs> yeah. So that's sort of like where I want to be in life. Mm-hmm. And you've been looking for a job lately. Yeah. I think this is very interesting because you most accurately personify like the ideal job seeker in 2023. Like highly highly sk- highly skilled in a profitable industry. Um like seeking work. Mm-hmm. How have you found that experience? Like, how long have you been looking and, and what has it been like? Yeah, honestly, it's been way smoother than I expected mm-hmm. because you've been hearing all these kind of, like, uh, layoffs and, you know, pe- companies cutting costs and a yeah. lot of scary Especially news. in tech, yeah. Especially in tech, right? Um, the majority of the people getting laid off are, like, people either in non-essential functions, like, you know, HR or marketing or something like that, where mm-hmm. you can you can cut heads and mm-hmm. still operate a business yeah. or uh, software engineers where you're sort of just like, these people are expensive. And you know, all those, all the stories of like, Oh, I'm a software engineer. I work 10 hours a week and I make $300,000. Mm-hmm. Those people are getting cut. So mm-hmm. it leads to, you know, more work for the other software engineers to where like an organization is just, it's, it's cutting fat pretty much. Yeah. So I was definitely worried about that. So I've been looking, I think in January I've, pretty much finished my search now it's like it's march now it's Mm -hmm. been two months um now i'm just sort of like in the decision phase yeah um but you know like i think as someone in the finance field it's been a lot smoother Mm -hmm. um it's i'm not too worried about uh, job security there's you know Mm -hmm. every company needs someone in you know in finance right yeah like otherwise they're probably not going to be profitable like some there's some mm-hmm. when something happens and it costs a lot of money or it just doesn't make sense like you need the finance people to make sure like everyone's on the right track mm-hmm. but uh so I, I interviewed a lot of companies you know did some research in a lot of a lot of industries i frankly i'm not too worried about industry mm-hmm. and where i where i go whether it's you know tech related or elsewhere it's mm-hmm. more so like does the role make sense is yeah. the work interesting um are the is the team smart like Uh, That's another big thing. Like, you don't want to limit yourself by being on a team of sort of people who may not be, like, high performers. You want to be on a team where these people are crazy smart and you can learn a ton from them. So that's another thing that I've been considering. So Mm -hmm. I haven't had difficulty, honestly, like, with my personal job search. But Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I also come from a privileged background and not the sense of, like, my upbringing, but the sense of my post my post high school career. Right. Like, I was able to go to a top business school was able to get a job in a you know highly valued industry so those things contributed mm-hmm. to me sort of being 
like like every, like people get weeded out and I'm able to kind yeah. of stand above the rest because of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those two things kind of privilege me and make it easier for me to find a job. Whereas someone who might have gone to a state school might have just sort of done, you know, a typical financial analyst type role after um, after college, they might have mm-hmm. a little bit more trouble. Yeah. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. All right. I want to talk about a later topic. What music have you been listening to lately? Good question. Uh, what have I been listening to lately? Uh, I've been listening to, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce her name, which is kind of embarrassing. Uh, but like, I think her name's Kali Uchis or something like that. Kali Uchis. Kali Uchis. Kali Uchis. Yeah. Uh, I've been listening to her. Okay. Uh, I think Telepatia? Nah, dude, that's old news. Bro. I mean, that was, new album. that's a great song. That was though. my song though. And it, I was in Cartagena. It's that such a good everything. song. Um, but no, like her new song, Moonlight, so uh-huh. she, she released a new album. I haven't listened to the whole thing. Yeah. Dude, I've been working out to that, which is so weird. You listen to that when you work out? I mean, only certain workouts. You can't like, you can't be running or lifting really heavy weights with that. But, I'm like, a, when I work out, I'm like, I only want to listen to like high. <laughs> I only listen to, I just want to rock. No, I only listen to, you know, like high, I want to listen to high energy yeah, music. Yeah. Like I would, I would listen to that. Like when I'm about to go get in the sauna. Yeah. When I'm like stretching. Leaving. Oh, that's, that, that's what I mean like very light workouts like the mm-hmm. ones that don't require you to like lift heavy weights like yeah i might i might have that type of song on but yeah i've been listening to actually a lot of Lil wayne recently and this is because i bought <laughs> actually no i can't so surprised Varun no, is the biggest Lil wayne fan i am in in northern in the biggest little wayne fan in new jersey for sure Lil wayne, if you're the out East there Coast, dude i know more of your lyrics than you do he loves wheezy that was actually part of in the beginning of our friendship how we became friends. <laughs> well um, i mean recently like I I just bought tickets to uh, he just he started uh, or he's doing a tour which he hasn't done in like a day like I don't know since the last time I could remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought tickets and super amped. It's in April, so I'm already kind of just like you know getting ready, like getting excited for it. So been listening a t- to a ton of Lil Wayne. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Besides that, I mean just the typical stuff, whatever's out there. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's there's been a what's it called. I don't know what 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 what's big that released recently. Uh, you know what's you know what have I've been listening to "Calm Down" by uh, what's With it called? Rima and Selena Gomez. Yeah, I don't know why. Okay. Well, you know I'm a selenator. <laughs> <laughs> it's I not love. even Selena that I care. It's just like the, the song is a vibe. Yeah. So that's that's been a fun song to listen to. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it's been kind of all over the place, man. Like pop, hip hop. Yeah, uh, a little bit of dance. Like when you woke up this morning, what was the song that you were like, "Turn this shit on right now," <laughs> dude? It's been it's been uh this Jay Z song that I think I, I sent to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the, okay. Yeah, I forgot what it was called. Um, it's like the intro to one of his first albums. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like a million or questions or something like that. It's like it has mm-hmm. a really long name because it's a two part song. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was listening to it. I was walking to a bookstore and I was like, "It's a very interesting vibe right now." <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like I'm in an expository scene of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I yeah, it's been a goal of mine to just listen to Jay Z's entire like all of his all of his music because I've just never done it and he's mm. always regarded as like the goat of rap One of the and best I've rappers, never yeah. in my list he did, he doesn't exist because mm. I just haven't been exposed to enough. I mean he's he's not like our generation. He's like yeah. the, year, the generation the time before, before, right? Yeah. Uh, I respect him. I know what he's done, right? Mm-hmm. But. I don't really know his music like that. Do you have a favorite in your Odyssey through his catalog? Do you have a favorite Jay Z album? I'm not there yet to mm-hmm. have a real answer. Okay, um, I still have to get through a lot. So. Yeah, 
Because I, okay. I try, I think I mentioned this to you. I tried getting through it by, like, the main time I listen to music is when mm-hmm. I'm at the gym. Yeah. And I tried getting through it at the gym, but his mm-hmm. music is not gym music. Like No, not at all. He makes good music, but it's just not the music you want to be working out to. Mm-hmm. I remember I was trying to do a bench press, and some Jay-Z song came out. And it's not that he's boring. It's just, like, you want something really hype and exciting, yeah. right? Um, and I just, I can't be listening to that when I'm trying to, like, not die because there's a ton yeah. of weight the, on my <laughs> the only the only jay-z song that, like that i would want to be listening to while i'm working out are like the newer yeah new, the newer big, the big hitters like with features and stuff yeah like, uh run this town yeah new york like that kind of stuff yeah but that's not like it's like true catalog exactly exactly oh okay okay we're getting close to the end i've got three final questions for you okay the first question is Froon. we're so different why do you think we're such good friends that's probably why because we're different. I mean, I'm able to teach you things. You're able to teach me things. And it's, it's never boring, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't, like, like you mentioned that Venn diagram. You mentioned we have, like, one thing in that Venn diagram. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are outside, right, in mm-hmm. my circle and in your circle. Where, like, you're able to tell me all these things about the music industry or the entertainment industry. Or, or just random things, man. Like, getting a prenup. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, get a prenup. Get Everybody a prenup. listening to Gen, uh, to Gen Z. Everybody listening to Elitist Anthropology, get a prenup. That is my, like, soapbox. I try to tell all my friends, I... You have to you 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 have to get a prenup. He sold me on it, so... You have to get one. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that. Um, so that those are just things like that. And then I'm able to kind of, you know... I don't know, I don't want to I don't want to say impart wisdom because I don't think I'm any kind of sage or anything like that mm-hmm. but I'm able to like teach you things and like help you out and like when you were in college I was trying I was helping you like navigate your college career and kind of figure things out um and you know just just generally and like I think some of the things that we are both aligned with are uh you know you're obviously much more in tune and uh in the entertainment in- industry whereas I'm more of like a con- just a consumer that mm-hmm. just enjoys it but I also love hearing about the business aspect so it's always a fun conversation we can have yeah I just invited Varun on the pod for him to tell me all the things that he likes about me that was my <laughs> game um last question Varun where do you see yourself in five years dude I don't know I mean I've considered uh just very recently within the last week I've thought about like should I get in, like a masters or an MBA like I don't mm. know I really don't know um I have to like do a bunch of research on it I have not really thought I think too you hard should. about it You think I should I think you should because like it will be and this was I've been thinking a lot you know I've been thinking a lot about like grad school do I want to go to law school do I want to do yeah. MFA whatever and I'm going to go do that other thing for 2 years mm-hmm. um but I think that the value that you'll generate out of it is just would just be enormous because it's not going to be like any sort of like great mental yeah. task. Yeah. Um, knowing you, you could probably go somewhere for free. Hopefully. Yeah. And like, just like basically like do anything for clout, the clout, <laughs> that, <laughs> the clout that you'll generate off of, especially if you go to a top program, I would say maybe, maybe like if you really wanted to like do something crazy, like don't do it in the States. Yeah. Like maybe do it. Well, you're just kind of, but like maybe do it somewhere like kind of exotic. Yeah. Um, but I think you would get a lot. Yeah. A lot no, that, that's it. what I've been thinking about. I'm like, is the clout worth it? Right? Especially because I think like, so you've been working from home for the last like, Two years? Two years, yeah. I think especially if you're not interested in going back into the office, there is... I'm now at the point where I go into the office like three or three or four times a week sometimes. Okay. And there is still currency in being on the scene. Yeah, for sure. And so if you... What, what you've lost in the last 
three years or whatever of not being on the scene, you will get back in spades. Yeah. Doing an MBA program, even if you want to go and then just uh, never be seen again. Like it's yeah. just like time in the in the streets, meeting people, getting to know people. No, that's totally true. I definitely don't have like the network a lot of people have at this point because mm-hmm. I'm just meeting way less people because I'm, you know, in my home in New Jersey. Like, yeah. There's not, I'm interacting with the people I need to interact with to get my check and then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done, right? So yeah. uh, that that's totally valid and I haven't really put too much emphasis into it. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing I need to consider. Um, I think I'd only really consider like this feels kind of like, clout chasing of me but i feel like i'd only consider like the top two or three like you know your harvard or your stanford like well i mean we 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 did business in undergrad so and, there yeah, and it was at a top school there is no there's nothing to be gained well quote unquote besides like a deep specialization there's nothing to be gained from like the general education that an mba provides yeah yeah like the main value to be derived it's the is, network. It's the clout. Is the elitism. Yeah, it <laughs> that, really is, like, is. that is the main product being sold. So I, I feel like that makes I, sense. I don't want to be Paris Hilton's assistant, man. I want to be my yeah. own mogul. Shout, <laughs> shout out to Kim. I got to get shout Kim on Kim. here. <laughs> I would love to. Kim, if you're listening, Kim, I want to have you on Elitist Anthro so bad. <laughs> I feel like me and her, like, that would be. Oh, I mean, be. she's the guest you want for sure. I she, think she encapsulates it. She's, she's, yeah, she just gets it. Yeah. Okay. So maybe doing a, maybe doing a grad program. What else? Uh, besides that, I mean, uh, what is, what is five years from now? I'd be, I'd be 30. 30. So, I mean, hopefully get that millionaire goal finished. Right. Um, I definitely would be out of my house by then. Right. I think right now my goal is to like be out of there in a two or three years, just Mm -hmm. move out, do something else. Stay in New Jersey? No, no, definitely not. If I'm in New Jersey, it doesn't make any sense to not live at home. Yeah. Like if I'm paying rent, it's not in New Jersey. I'll tell you that much. Like yeah. my, my parents brought up one day, probably half jokingly, they're like, oh, you should pay rent to live here. And I was like, if I'm going to pay a thousand dollars to live here, I will pay 1500 and go to New York. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I'd probably, uh, I mentioned I'll go to LA for a year. Mm-hmm. I, I really like, you know, my time so far, every yeah. time I go to LA. I so see you in LA. Yeah. Definitely at least a year. Get mm-hmm. my feet wet. See if it's my vibe for real. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, you know, I, I I haven't ruled out coming back to New York. It's mad expensive, but you know, it, yeah. it's it's poten- it's potentially there. And then I don't know, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not exploratory enough to be like, oh yeah, let me move move somewhere really exotic like Australia or London or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd still want to be in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, those those are probably the top two contenders. Like, those are the two biggest cities in the states, right? I don't want to yeah. go to like Florida or. No offense, but no Texas or anything like Shout that. Shout out to Texas, and we don't want you. I don't want any. <laughs> I don't want any more people that are not born in the state of Texas. He said, "Let's build they, a wall." Th- no, literally, we need a. I always tell people this: we need a wall on the north side. If you live in California, do not move to Texas. If you live in in Atlanta, do not move to Texas. If you live in New York, do not move to Texas. We hear you loud and clear. The only the only people allowed to move to Texas are those in border states, okay? Kansas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, <laughs> and I'll even spread it out a little bit. I'll go ahead and say um, Colorado. Anybody else, if you're thinking, oh, I want to move to Texas. Oh, land is so cheap. Oh, there's yeah. so much space. Oh, this, oh, that, oh, that. Eh, wrong answer. Move to Boise, Idaho and leave us the hell alone. But for you, though, I stamp a special immigration card. Okay. I respect that. So <laughs> It's on the list. It's on the short list. Okay. But you can only move to Austin. That's the DMZ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I heard. Austin's the way to go. Nowhere else. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Austin's great. Everybody that wants to move, go ahead and move there. I'm going to be there in the summer. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Uh, I hate it. 
anyway, Varun, our time has come to a close. Thank you so much for coming. Any last words for the Elitist Anthro audience? Uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. You are so, so welcome. That's all for today, everybody. See you next week. Ciao.